sometimes it's very simple. It sounds very simple to, t- to tell someone, show mercy. But mercy sometimes can be a challenging thing, task to do. But God is good, hallelujah. God is good. And we thank God for the season that we are in. We thank God for this time. We thank God for his kindness. We thank God for the opportunity that he's granted us to be part of the journey of Christ. Amen. We want to continue today with our studies in the book of Luke. And I would like you to come with me to the book of Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And today we are going to a different aspect or a different stage in the book of Luke. Chapter 9. And I would like to read from verses 51 so just bear with me and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up he steadfastly set his face to go to jerusalem and sent messengers before his face and they went and entered into a village of the samaritans to make ready for him and they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem and that was exactly where he was going anyway and when his disciples John and James saw this they said Lord will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias as Elijah did But he turned and rebuked them, he corrected them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life, but to save life. And they went to another village, praise Jesus. And it came to pass that as they went in in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. That's King James English for you. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead. Oh, sorry, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. See, Jesus was always focused on this one assignment, the kingdom of God. And another said, another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but bid, but but let me first go bid f- but let me first go bid farewell farewell 
which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand in the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. May the Lord once again add his blessing to the reading of the Holy Scriptures. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say to yourself, he's called me to follow. Hallelujah. You want to tell the person sitting next to you, if he can understand you, say, hey, he's called me to follow. He's called me to follow. And you see, I am just short of saying this following is a radical following. He's called us to follow, we know that. But today what we're really saying is that he's called us into a radical following. It's a radical following he's called us to do. God of mercy. Shall we pray? Our king. Father, we bless you. Our king and eternal God, we exalt you. Thank you. For the reality of your presence. And thank you. For the truths Lord you bring us into. And thank you for the clarity. You give in our hearts and minds. So that we. Walk with you as you've called us to. May your name be exalted. May your name be praised. I pray as we hear your word, may sicknesses be healed and diseases be healed, Lord. May hearts be comforted. May needs be met. May questions be answered. And may our hearts indeed be full today. Hallelujah. And the saints say, Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The passage we've just read this morning is the beginning of a new phase in the book of Luke. It runs all the way down to somewhere chapter 19, but it begins... A phase we call the journeys to glory. The journey to glory. And as you can see from the verse 51 where it says, And it came to pass when, when the time was come that he should be received up. This we understand. And if you're a good student of the Bible, you would, have, you would understand that received up talking about him going to glory. So Jesus is making preparation to go back to the Father. And that and this journey begins here. Which is a new phase from what he's been showing 
us previously. Because previously we've been looking at the signs of him being the Christ, him being the Messiah of God. And now we are turning to the travels or the journey to glory in which he takes time to teach the disciples. So here we're going to, it's very interesting to say we're going to learn the lessons that Christ taught as if we've not been learning them. But here we, he, he's taking time to teach the disciples and of course those around him because he's just getting ready to depart. Hallelujah. And it's, I would also want to emphasize that this journey is a journey into glory. And oftentimes when someone is going into glory, we rejoice. We don't mourn as Christians. And as wonderful as the phrase, you know, sounds, going into glory or journey into glory. This journey is not... It's not one that you embark on <laughs> with, 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 with good feelings <laughs> because the journey is tough and it, it can be a bit rough, especially if your mind is not prepared. So the things we're going to be looking at today are things that uh, our minds is a way of preparing the mind as we journey with Christ. Hallelujah. Uh, can I hear some responses if you, if you're, uh, if you are available? Praise God. Uh, if you are still uh, alert. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, um, My hesitation is not because I, I, I lack the words to say, but it's the, it's the nature of the journey that it's making me hesitate in my speech. Here we see Jesus, the story so far says to us that Jesus is about to get ready to be received up. Before he does that, he sends some of his disciples to go ahead of him. And they go into the village of the Samaritans to prepare a place for him, hopefully, to stay for the night before he embanked on the journey to Samaria. To Samaria. And I don't know what it was called. Forgive me. Uh, and banks on, on, on this journey to Samaria. And uh, God is good. So they go, but when they get to Samaria, the, the Samaritans will not receive him. The Samaritans will not receive him. When they don't receive him, two of the <laughs> two of the of the of the renowned disciples that's my own word renowned disciples James and John excluding Peter says to Jesus should we call down fire like like Elijah did 
Should we call down fire like, like Elijah did? And Jesus tells them no. Because you don't, you don't understand the nature of the spirit that you have on. The son of man has not come to destroy lives. But he has come to save men. Sorry, I seem to have some trouble with my throat this morning. Just, I trust God I'll be fine. <clears throat> Just bear with me. And, and verse 57 says, as they went on the way, so indicating that they were still on the journey, what I was talking about, that this the passages that we're going to be looking at. The journey of Christ. As they were still on the journey. Disciple approaches him. Actually three of them approach him. The first one says. I will follow you. And. He tells him. Foxes have holes. Birds of the. Let's have nests. But. The son of man has no place to lay his head. Just give me a second. <clears throat> okay, let's continue. Praise God. The son of man does not have no place to lay his head. And, he's, and, then, and then he said to another, follow me. But then the person's reply was that, <clears throat> let me go and bury my father first. Then I'll come and follow you. Then Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and preach the gospel. Another also said to him, Lord, I'll follow you. But then he tells Jesus, now let me first go. I'll follow you, but first of all, let me go and say farewell to my family. Then I'll come and I'll follow you. <clears throat> and to him, Jesus' reply was this. If you put your hands in the plow and you turn back, you are not fit for the kingdom. Hmm. These are very hard statements. These are hard. They are tough. And they, but they prepare us for the journey that Jesus wants us to make with him. As he journeyed to Jerusalem into glory. We now are journeying with him as well. We are journeying with him. But he 
teaches us or he gives us these lessons so that we can understand the challenges that we're going to meet on the way. Preparing our minds, making us fit for the journey ahead of us. How does it start? First, in verse 51, we are told that he, when he knew that it was time to go, it was time to, to go into glory. When he knew it was time to be, to be received up into glory. The scripture says that he set his face. The King James says steadfastly. That means firmly. He made up his mind. He determined to go to Jerusalem. That is, he made that choice. Going to Jerusalem was not going to be an easy journey, but he determined he was going to make it. It was the father's purpose. It was the father's plan. <clears throat> that is what he's come here for. It's not going to be an easy road, but he purposed, I am making this journey. Hallelujah. Because. Because you, you want. You, you ask yourself. Why is Luke telling us this? Luke is telling us this. Because. He could, there, there, there was the possibility of him, you know, changing his mind and doing something, doing an or taking an alternative route. So, as a way of putting off what was to happen, he steadfastly set his face to say, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. He began to make preparations that he is going there. Knowing very clearly that eventually in Jerusalem he will be betrayed. He will be captured. My term, he will be butchered. And finally, he will be put on the cross. But before that, sorry, he would, he, he would also have to appear before a kangaroo court and he steadfastly, that means he set himself up in such a way that there was no room for bail. There was, there was, he, he made it such that he can bail out. So he sent ahead of him people. That is when, 
when he rec recognized that this in in following the purpose of God, in following the plan of God that, that he's been sent here to fulfill, this task is a, is a difficult one. It's a challenging one. But he determined he was going to make it. He was going to go. He was going to do it. He was going to do it. Now what do we see? So he sent the disciples. And when he sends them. He says he sent them before his face. To go to, to Samaria. Or to the, to the village of the, of the Samaritans. To make ready a place for him. 53 says. And they did not receive him. They did not receive him. The reason they did not receive him, Luke doesn't hide it because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And as we said earlier on, yes, indeed, he was going to Jerusalem. Now, a couple of things to note here. He set his face to go to Jerusalem, but he is passing through Samaria. But the question is, why did the Samaritans not receive him? And that's a good question we, we must answer. Why did the Samaritans not receive him? <clears throat> now you would, you would have understood, you would have uh, probably realized that to go from where he is, Galilee, to Jerusalem, Samaria or the, the Samaritan's land, the Samaritan land offered him the shortest distance from Galilee to Jerusalem. Now, most pilgrims, okay, and it was it was also getting close to the Passover, of of course. So most people will be traveling from that side to go to Jerusalem. Now, most pious or very dedicated Pharisees will not do what Jesus was thinking of doing. That's going from Galilee to Jerusalem through Samaria. No, they, they wouldn't do it. They will rather circumvent. They will go the long way from Galilee to Jerusalem. They won't, do, they, they won't cut through Samaria. No way. No chance. And even some of the national, nationalistic uh, Jews won't do it. They may not be religious, but they, they still won't do it. Because of their ties with Jerusalem, they will not pass through Samaria. Why? Because there's, there's, there was a long-standing quarrel between the Samaritans and the Jews. They had some social issues, social inequalities. They didn't like each other. Oh, these, these things date all the way back to the time of... 
Moses and Joshua. It dates all the time back. I mean, all the way, all the way, all the way back. And just to be a, a bit current, there was a temple in Jerusalem, and the Samaritans also had a temple in their land, so they wouldn't go to Jerusalem to worship with, with them. But one of the kings, one of the Jewish kings, when he was in power, out of you know annoyance and whatever, stormed Samaria and destroyed that temple. So that increased their hatred for the for the Jews. And it was a very common thing that if you are trying to get to Jerusalem through from, from Galilee to Jerusalem and you pass through Samaria, the Samaritans will make sure that you don't go. They will harass you. Sometimes it was very, very violent what they did to people, to the, to the pilgrims trying to get through from Galilee to Jerusalem. So really, what happened to Jesus was quite, was quite mild. They simply did not receive him. Isn't it interesting? It's, it's very interesting that they didn't receive him in a sense that they did not give him any place to rent. Because he wanted a place for the night and they would not offer him. And that is very interesting to note that when he was born, when he first came to the earth, he had no room. <laughs> he, had, he had no room. And here he's about to leave the earth and he still wouldn't have a room in the Samaritan land. That is not to say that all through his life he didn't have room. But the point was that where there was indeed no room, In Bethlehem, it wasn't so in, 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 in Samaritan land. In Samaritan land, it was a deliberate and a conscious decision that they would offer him no room. So he moved to a different place. Hmm, interesting. And the condition or whatever happened might have been so bad, the way they were treated might have been so bad, James and John got very angry and said, Jesus, should we command fire down to just burn them all like Elijah did? And Jesus, Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't want to go along that lines. You don't know the spirit that you've got. I am not here to destroy lives. I am here to save lives. And that is very instructive for us. A couple of things here to pick up from this early part of the passage. And this is this. That Jesus, <laughs> the reason the Samaritans are refusing him is because they recognize he's, he's, associating, uh, he's, he's, he's associated with, with Jerusalem. So the fact that you associated with Jerusalem, they were not ready to offer him any place. So they refused him simply based on the fact that 
he is on his way to Jerusalem. And they were not on socially, they were not on good terms with Jerusalem. Number two, they had some religious differences. So because of that, they would not receive him. And this is part of things that happen on the journey. Now it was so bad, it was so bitter that James and John would want to rain fire upon them. And I'm sure you are probably asking about how, how, bad can it, how bad can it be? How bad can it be that they want to call fire upon them? And the question I'm going to ask you if you are saying that is that how bad is it when people as you are also journeying as a Christian, before people even hear what you've got to say, they refuse you because of your religious association. Maybe because you call yourself Orthodox. Because you call yourself Methodist. You call yourself Anglican. You call yourself Pentecostal. Mention what religious group you belong to and they immediately dismiss you, won't receive you. Why? Because we don't agree with your religious background, so I don't even want to hear you. Maybe that, maybe that is just simple. Sometimes people receive people, uh, people refuse others, simply because of their ethnicity. They won't even hear you. They won't receive you. And I'm sure most of us will identify with this. That because of your ethnicity, they, you, what you've got is good news. What you've got is glad tidings. Christ has something great for them. What Christ had, they needed it, but they would not even listen. All because they've got some social issues with Jerusalem. And sometimes simply because of your color, your skin color, or your accent, or whatever. And those things can really get under your skin when people just reject you just because of that. They will not even listen to you. They see your face and they just ignore you. They just bypass you and go somewhere else. But you might have the news or what you might have what they need. You might have that message of hope that, that they need, but they will not listen to you. Why? Because of your social standing, because of your skin color, because of your ethnicity, because of your religious group or the group that you belong to, you will not be listened to. So these are things that as we journey with Christ, as we, as we journey with Christ into glory, these are things we will experience or some of us have probably experienced already. And the thing is, what do you do? Are you to get angry and rain woes and curses and all rain fire upon them? And call judgment of God, God's fire come upon them. Christ says, No, no, no. but you say, uh, but, but the Bible says that you know, when they don't receive the gospel, shake the dust off your feet. Yes, 
That is Christ's own teaching. But Christ here makes a very clear distinction between people who reject the message and those who refuse you based upon social grounds, ethnicity, religious affiliations. And here, it was not a message. They've not even heard him. It is just his association with Jerusalem. They would not listen to him. So there is a difference. And Christ himself in Luke 10 verse 13, we will get there later on. Just fast forward then. In Luke 10, 13, you will see Christ himself denouncing certain people. In the verse 13, Luke 10, 13, he says, But woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For the, if, the mighty works, if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in thee, they had a, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And thou Capernaum, which I exalted. So you see, so he, he bemoans all these towns that he's preached in, that he's worked, that have not received. And here, it's not his person, and it's not his association, but the message. So when the message is refused, the matter is different. This one, it has to do with your person, or your association. And these Samaritans refused him, did not accept him ignorantly. They were, they were basically ignorant. And that is what it is. Because they didn't even know why he was going to Jerusalem. They didn't know that as he goes to Jerusalem, he was going to be rejected and he was going to be killed. They didn't even know that. But they rejected him. They refused him. They wouldn't accept him. So what Christ is teaching here is this. That when people reject our persons because of our, stand, our social standing, our ethnicity, our skin color, our background, our religious groups, or, or whatever, our response should be mercy. Mercy. The response should be mercy, not judgment. Mercy. We don't call fire upon them. Mercy. What did Christ do? Look at the verse, the chapter 9, the verse 56, the last part. And they went to another village. He simply went to another village, quietly, calmly. That is here we see Christ balancing power with mercy. The proper terminology is tempering power with mercy. The all-powerful Christ, people refusing him, and all he does is just turn away to another town. Should we call fire? He says, no, just turn away because these people are ignorant. They just don't know what is going on. Was it right? No. But what they're doing, what they did was out of sheer ignorance. They were blind. Blind towards him. Blind towards what he's going to do. So mercy. 
Now it will interest you when you come to Acts chapter 8. These same people, right? What? What? I'm hoping, I'm hoping that these people we are reading about, these Samaritan villages, they are part of the people we are going to read in Acts 8. Come with me now to Acts 8. If you look at Acts, Acts chapter 8, in Acts 8, the, five, the verse 5, it says that Philip went to preach in Samaria. And look at Acts chapter, yeah, look at the verse 5. In Acts 8 verse 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Okay? So he preached Christ unto them. And the people, verse 6, with one accord, gave heed unto the things which Philip spake. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Christ did not have the chance even to be there. He did not even get a chance to even do anything there. He just refused him. For unclean spirits crying out with loud voices came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies that were lame were healed. Now verse 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Guess to spare you the time? Read this thing later up to verse 25. Verse 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to, to, to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. I hope these villages that refused Christ were part of this group that received the gospel preached unto them. So we see, he shows them mercy, he just walks away. His disciples now get opportunity to minister unto them. Imagine if the fire had been called upon them. That would have been it. But there was no... He didn't come to just, you know... <laughs> fire and brimstone ministry. <laughs> you reject me, fire. You reject me, fire. You know, you, you speak bad about my race, fire. You speak bad about my skin color, fire. I mean, then... <laughs> what are we doing? No, we are in the... Business of saving lives, not destroying lives. Hello. You see, like I said, the, the journey to glory sounds great, but the journey is tough. Because you and I know clearly that when people, let's face it, when people reject you because of your background, ethnicity, skin color, religious group, uh, a grouping or association, it is not nice, is it? We, we know that the feeling is bad. It could take you months and sometimes some people years to deal with it. We are not talking about soft stuff here. We're talking about real stuff. And Christianity offers real solution. He says, the, hey, the solution to this problem is mercy. See them as ignorant and show mercy. Should we call fire like Elijah did? No. Mercy. Because they are blind, number one. Ignorant. Today, these things abound. 
haven't you tried to give a simple tract, a tract, which says, God loves you. You want to offer it to someone. And they will tell you, you see, they are probably have got some twisted arm and leg and you can pray for their healing. But as you are about to offer that tract to them and possibly offer, I mean, pray for their healing, they will tell you in the face, I'm okay. I'm all right. Off you go. And those little, little things, sometimes it gets under your, um, it really gets you. So rejection is not a light matter. It's a tough one. So let's not so much crucify James and John. But Jesus teaches us to do better. That is to show Mercy. Because later on, I hope so and I believe that they were part of the villages that heard the gospel and came to the master. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, look. Luke is, the only, Luke is the only one who presents us with this. But he, he doesn't end there. He continues. He now says, so this was the master himself. How he dealt with the, 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 the situation that he was refused. <laughs> Goodness me. Oftentimes, you see, when you know you've got the goods for someone, when you know you've got good will, you've got good heart, you've got good intentions, actually, you've gone out of your way, you've prepared something wonderful for people, and you're about to present it. I mean, you, 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 you've done all that you can to prepare things for them. Maybe you've even stayed overnight. You've gone through, you've sacrificed many things, and you're going to present something to them, and just before you do it, they tell you, we don't want it. We don't even want you. We don't even speak. Your heart sometimes just breaks. My goodness. There's no benefit in this for me but you. And I've gone through pains to bring you this. You don't even hear me out. You're rejecting it. Wow. It can be tough. It can be challenging. But Jesus chose to temper power with mercy and showed mercy and just simply moved on to another town or village. Then, <clears throat> Luke now introduces us to three people. Three people. And this is still lessons on the way. Look at the verse 57. And it came to pass that Luke 9, 57, please. And it came to pass that as they went on their way, so they were still in the way, right? A certain man 
said unto him, Lord, I will follow you whithersoever you go. Hmm. Interesting. I will follow you whithersoever you go. <laughs> the reply Jesus gave him was this. He says, Foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Hmm. Why this reply? Well, what was he saying to the man? What he was saying to the man is that I have no place. I don't have a property. I don't have a place to stay. Meaning as I'm going on this journey, sleeping is often rough. <laughs> Are you ready for it? Okay. In ancient times, most of the teachers or rabbis who were not very materialistic they were not into all the things of this life and all that. They tried to give their students. And in, and in those times, if you're a student, you look for a master. So like this man said, I want to follow you wherever you go. When they have students come to them, what they often do is, or, uh, uh, do, do, do is this. They give those students or those prospective students, they give them very hard tests. That is, they put very difficult conditions before them to see whether they will be able to handle those tests. And when they pass, they, they take them on. But Jesus, when he said this to the, when he told this man, foxes have holes and birds of the nest have, birds of the air have nests. He was not testing the man. He was telling him reality. He was presenting to the man reality. Because he knew the man's heart. And said to him, hey, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But I, the son of man, I have nowhere to lay my head. So basically... What he was saying to this man is this. If you're going to follow me, you will need to bear in mind that I do not have any comfort package for you. Because most people, when they want to follow a course, they look for the comfort packages that come along with it. Comfort packages. He says, As you, if you want to follow me, you are not going to have nice places to sleep. You see, even animals like foxes and birds, they have place of comfort to put their head. I don't have that. I don't have that. So if you're going to follow me, 
Sometimes you'll be sleeping rough. Hmm. God have mercy. Hallelujah. God have mercy. God have mercy. In 1 Corinthians 4 verse 11, Paul says this. Paul says, even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. Have no certain dwelling place. Now, this is very practical for anyone who becomes a traveling minister, moving from place to place. This is very, very practical. You have no place of your own. If you had one, you'd have probably left it and you're on the road. And so wherever you go, you just sleep. Sometimes you have to be there. You have to just sleep in some, on, on, on some place. I mean, on some stone or whatever. But what is the message for people like you and me in a current situation where we are not on the road, because some of us really, you can't really, some borders are closed and you can't go anywhere and you are hemmed where we are, find ourselves. What is it? What, what, what is this message? What is this message to us then? Since we are not really, since we are not really on the road. What it means to us is this. Though you are not on the road, we should not become attached to the comfort this world offers. Those comforts that hinder, that hinder our service to God in the kingdom. Or that hinder our services to advance the kingdom of God. Those comforts. What it, what it means is we should not give our energies to the things or to the th we should not give our energies in, to seeking the comforts that this world offers whilst the kingdom of God is lying down untouched. Because oftentimes it is very easy, you know, we kind of like, we will give all our energies in seeking the things that bring comfort. The thing that bring, that, that gives or offers comfort in this life, but, but not to the things that promote the kingdom of God. So spend all my energies, give all my time, give all my attention, give everything to things because I want this. It will bring me some comfort in life. It will, it will give me the access here. It will give me advantage here. I'll become better than my colleagues. It will put me here. It will, it will, it will give me that. And we, we spend our energy seeking those things. And by the time the day is over, you are worn out and no use for the kingdom of God. He says, our he says, he says, you know what? The son of man 
in pursuit. I he <laughs> he has to abandon Christ had to abandon home so as to serve the kingdom of God, so as to bring the good news of Christ to people. Christ has to, you know, the put away these comforts as if they're not there, but they are. So sometimes in order to encourage someone in the kingdom, you have to say no to some contract that might have brought you some comfort in life. That's the point we are taking from here. If you take on this contract, it will bring you this benefit, it will bring you that benefit, it will bring that benefit. But if you reject that contract, you have the opportunity now to encourage someone, to aid someone in the kingdom of God. That is what we could pick up from here. These are lessons that we could learn here. That on this journey into glory, these are things, these are the lessons that Christ will want us to learn that we do not make the comforts that this world offers become the things that we give ourselves to. But we should be able to put the comforts off and pursue the kingdom of God. Making sure that we are growing in, in it and encouraging others in it and expanding it. Three areas. That you yourself, you are growing in the kingdom. You are encouraging others in it. You are making yourself available so that others can be encouraging it. And you are also extending it into other people's lives. Hallelujah. So, if we're going to go on, if you are going, if you are traveling on this journey into glory, we must be ready to lay aside the comforts that this world offers and not give it all our attention and not make it run the show. As Christ said to the man, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head because he has put it fourth place. The kingdom comes first. Praise God. Then we encounter the second person who are pro the second person that Christ himself called this person and he said another follow me and when he said follow me this person responded Lord suffer me first to go and bury my father now the word suffer that doesn't mean hurts me or pain me the word suffer here means allow me Allow me to go and bury my father. And the response that Christ gives to this person is this. Let the dead bury the dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Go 
by you. As for you, tell someone, as for you, go and preach the kingdom of God. As for you, go and preach the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury the dead. Basically, let the spiritually dead handle the dead things. But you go and preach life. Because it takes life to beget life. Hmm. Only those who are alive can preach. So if you've got the life of God, the light of God in you, you step out and preach life. Hallelujah. Praise God. What is Christ saying here? Now, what this second lesson teaches us is this. Not only, he's saying, not only should we not allow the comforts of the home to control how we serve God but we should also not make home calls to have priority over the call of the kingdom of God we should not allow the home calls to have priority over the call of the kingdom of God we should not that is what Christ is saying here. Let the dead bury the dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. You see, I know that for some of us, the first question that comes into your mind is, but isn't this contradictory? Isn't this a contradiction? Why is a Christian faith full of contradictions? I've come to announce to you there ain't any contradictions in the scriptures. They are as clear as daylight. The parts that may seem unclear are clarified by parts that are clearly written. Hallelujah. That is the principle of interpretation of the Bible. We use clear parts to explain parts that may not that may appear unclear. Now, if you come, if you go to Matthew 15, there verses 3 to 9. Okay? Matthew 15, verses 3 to 9. In this passage, Jesus teaches very, very clearly. That a man or a person, anyone who is grown up, has responsibility towards their elderly fathers and mothers. That teaching is, 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 is as clear as daylight. You have responsibility towards your elderly father and mother. To attend to them. No excuses allowed in this responsibility. 
You don't excuse yourself by any religious duty saying, well, I, I need to serve my church, so I can't do that. Uh, I had to pay this thing to, towards the church of God, towards the kingdom of God, so I can't. Christ said, no, you have no such liberties. You must attend to them. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you with me so far? Yeah? Okay. He says, but ye, but ye, God, from verse 4, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by which thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, The people draw nigh to me with their mouth and with the and honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So basically, they try to tell them not to respond to their parents and all that. And Christ is saying, No, 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 you need to. So the thing that we need to correct here is this when you follow christ when you when you follow christ the teaching is that as you follow christ he commands you to respond to your responsibility towards father and mother and no question about that as you follow christ as you serve in the kingdom of god christ command is that you respond to parental needs and and duties respond to them but the mistake the mistake this gentleman is making in this request he makes are two okay he makes two mistakes the first one is this Let's go back to the Luke 9, please. The first one. He says, number one, let me, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. <laughs> so mistake number one, he is putting the call, the home call, the calling of the home, he is Putting that prior, prior, that means first, before the call of Christ. That is his number one mistake. Let's be let me be very clear on this. As you follow Christ, your responsibility towards mother and father does not change. But you do not respond to that call before you respond to Christ. If Christ is the king of the kingdom, then you don't respond to something else before him. He comes first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all other things, Bible says, shall be added unto you. So you seek the kingdom call first. That takes priority over every other call. And once you responded to the call and you are in the call, then yes, you the, the 
<laughs> the duty to mother and father is a responsibility you cannot run away from or denier, especially when you're a child of God or you're a child of the kingdom. That is something you must honor. But it does not take priority. That means you don't respond to that first. And once you finish with that, you now respond to Christ. No. So there would be disciple or the disciple of Christ does not put that call first. That's a point Christ is making here. That is a lesson he wants us to learn here on this journey. Hallelujah. A person does not say, whoa, I want, like what the man said here. Okay, mistake number two. Mistake number two. Mistake number two is that he says, let me go and bury my father. Hello? He, you see, this man was not asking Jesus to go and look after his elderly father looking after the elderly father he will certainly get the opportunity to minister the gospel to the elderly father but that is not what this gentleman is asking for this gentleman is asking to go and bury bury put in the ground not to look after, but to go and bury. Why? Why the emphasis? The, this is the reason. In Israel, or in most ancient, because uh, I'm thinking some people still do, in most ancient, ancient land, when a person dies, you remember the story we read earlier on about the widow whose son died? The son had not died very long, and they were going to bury the son. So when a person dies, the burial is not delayed. It is done speedily. So if that father was indeed dead, he wouldn't be outside talking to Jesus. He wouldn't be there. Because by the time he goes back home, the father probably would have been buried. So he wouldn't be out there doing that. Because when a person dies, they, don't put, they, they didn't do the refrigerator business that people do these days. No, no, no. You die, they bury you quickly, speedily. Right? Yeah. Now, so that was a quick burial. Done. Now, when that burial was done, the son, hopefully the firstborn, the son would now wait one year. After one year, the son will now go back and to the tomb where the father was buried. By that time, the flesh on the dad's body would have all withered and dried out. And he would just be bones. He would collect the bones, put them in a special box, and put them in a, in a hole in the tomb. That was a practice. And this is something you do after a year. 
So when he's asking to go and bury the father, and it couldn't be that the father has just died, because if he had just died, he wouldn't be there. So his request to go and bury the father, is he telling Christ, give me one year to go and wait till my father's bones are dried up and I'll collect them and put them in and then I'll come and follow you. Was that what he's saying? Or was he saying, let me go and wait. My father is a bit old. He's about to die. Let me go and wait. He has to go and wait. Wait till he dies. Goodness me, what a son. What a son. What a son. Hallelujah. What a son this man is. Is that what he's saying? So that means he wanted to put off the duties of following Christ or serving Christ until he had done this work. And Christ is saying, no, you don't do that. You don't do that. You don't make the home call a priority over the call to serve Christ in the kingdom. Praise God. He says, let those who are dying bury those who are dead. Those who are spiritually dead, let them do that. You see, the, the point is this. The point with the second mistake the man was making is this. With the second point, the mistake was that this man did not understand the agency of the kingdom work. He did not, or anyone who does have the mentality, does not understand the urgency of the kingdom work. The kingdom work is now. <sighs> there are some people who say, well, but you know, come and do this thing. I need you here. I need you to do this thing. Stay here until this thing is done. Until, until my business is prospering. Because you know, God's work can always be done. No, God's work cannot always be done. The urgency of the kingdom of God is higher than any other. That is what Christ was pushing here. So Christ was teaching us in this session that hey, the urgency of the kingdom call is greater than any other home call. That you don't place burying your father. When you've got life in you and I want you to go and give life or, or I want you to be up and about giving life, you are concerned about burying the dead. Let the dead bury the dead. So basically, what he's saying is, if you're a doctor and a soul is dying, attend to the dying person and to, to mend him and forget about his shoes. That has got clean, trying to clean his shoes because he's got some mud on it. 
Can you imagine that? Someone has come to your surgery, he's dying. And instead of attending to the person's life, you are busy trying to take the mat of the person's shoe. And you are a doctor. That's not the job of a doctor. A doctor is to save life. You are a life doctor. And he's calling us to respond to the lives of people. Serve the, the kingdom. Minister the kingdom life. And let those who clean the mud of people's shoes, let them do that. But that is not your job. Hallelujah. Praise God. The priority of the kingdom call. The priority of the kingdom call. The kingdom call takes priority. Amen. Amen. And then the third lesson, and I'm done from here, the third lesson. Praise Jesus. In the third lesson, another, another comes to Jesus. And when they come to Jesus, they say, Lord, this, this time, he comes, tells Jesus what he wants to do, and then offer the excuse. Okay? The first one came to Jesus, and when he, was called, uh, when he said something, Jesus Christ told him he needs to, <laughs> he needs to be ready to know that he has no place to sleep. No comfort. Or she didn't be seeking after comfort. He won't have it. Second one. Christ calls. And he gives an excuse. This third person. He comes. Says what he wants to do. And then he gives his own excuse. He says I will follow you. But. Let me go. And say. Farewell to my family. Let me go and do them bye-bye. And then I'll come back and follow you. You see. So not only must we not. Stick for the comfort of the home. Not only must we. Not make the, pro make the home call a priority over the kingdom call. But in this third one. Jesus Christ tells him, anyone who puts his hands in the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So basically what he's saying is, not only should you not make the home call a priority over, over the kingdom, but you must also be able to break Break away, break the pool of family affection. Break the pool. If you're going to go with me on this journey into glory and serve me in the kingdom, you must be ready to break the pool because there is a pool of family affection which is there and you must be able to break the pool. If you can't break that pool, then you'll be in trouble. Why? Why? The reason is this. In Judges, Judges, Judges 19, the verse is free. If you remember this story about this narrative, about the man 
whose wife ran away from him, went, to the, went back to the father, or went back to the family home, and the man went to collect the wife, went to the father-in-law, well, went to the wife's home to get the wife back to his town. If you remember this story, you might not remember this, or you, or you might not read it, but in Judges 19, 3 to 8. This man goes to collect the wife, and when he goes, what does the father-in-law do? The father-in-law work, work, welcomes him. Oh, welcome back. You, you, you come for your wife, no problem. You go with your wife. But then the father-in-law says, oh, stay with me, let's have drinks. So they drank that night. And the man couldn't travel. Because so they all have merry, I mean merrymaking. The next day, uh, let me go. The father says, oh, no, let, let's have a drink, let's have a drink, let's have a drink. Oh, let me say bye-bye to you. And then we, the father goes and says, no, 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 I drink, I drink, I drink, I drink, I drink. And then third day, once you go, father goes, oh, 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 let's have more, you know, let's have more parties. I mean, more merrymaking. And then fourth day, the man said, do you know what? No, 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 no. This time I'm going. And the man forcefully leaves the house and go. But of course, when he leaves the house or to go, the story ends bad. The wife gets, the wife, the wife dies because he gets himself into, into trouble. But the point of the story I'm making is that farewell in those days was not just an easy, it was not just going to say bye-bye. Farewell in those days involved holding parties, celebration. Celebration after celebration. You're going to say farewell. Oh, he's going to become an evangelist. He's going. Bye-bye, he's going. Oh, a party for you. Oh, come over my house. Let me also do one, one for you. Oh, oh, he's going to go. Christ said, no, no. If you want to follow me, <laughs> and you want to go and have all those things, before you come to follow me, no, it doesn't work like that. When you want to follow me, you follow me. You don't allow those family pools those things that the family does that pulls you all the time. It makes you, you love them. They are so great. You love them. So you're always looking back. Says, no, you can't allow those family pools. You need to be able to, you need to break effectively. Break effectively. Those family pools that hinder us from serving Christ. Serving the kingdom. Those family pools. Those family things that are so dear to our hearts, affectionate, so dear to our hearts, that intercept our services to the Lord. Say, if you respond to me and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. You see, there is an interesting contrast I want to bring here. And it is in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 19, verses 19 to 21. It's about the Elisha-Elijah call. When Elijah calls Elisha by casting his, throwing his uh, garment over Elisha to say, I have called you. Elisha tells Elijah something. And that's exactly what this man was saying here. He tells him, let me go and bid farewell to my 
family. And Elijah said, what have I done to you? That's up to you. He goes and have a farewell. He goes to kill his oxen. And the same thing, what does he do? Organize a party. See, so the farewell thing is never going to say, oh, I'm, I'm off. It always involved a celebration. So Elisha does that, and then he comes back to follow Elijah. Now, if there was any radical prophet in the Bible, if I ask you who was the most radical prophet in Scripture, you waste no time in telling me it is Elijah. He was the most radical of all of them. But even him, he permitted farewell parties. And we all know Christ. And we sing the song, Oh gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon the little child. Praise God. So we see Jesus so calm and so quiet and so cool. And then we often say, oh, you know, when it comes to Christianity, everything is, you know, take your time and do it. No, 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 no. So here we see that the demands of Christ Jesus was even stronger than the most radical prophet in scripture. Meaning that Christ's demands are more draconian than even Elijah. So that idea that in Christianity... Oh, we don't have to push anything. It's not correct. Oh, we need to make it soft, soft. Oh, no, don't, don't push it. Yes. We do not push people to accept truth. But for those of us that have joined, that have jumped in and have become followers of Christ, on the journey of Christ, we do not take the easy, lazy route. The demands are tough. The demands are radical. Only a radical commitment to Jesus can serve the kingdom of God. This is my message today. That only a radical commitment to Christ can serve the kingdom of God effectively. That Christ's demands, Christ's teachings are not soft touch. As we, as we have seen so far, as we've gone through this passage, that the demands here, the teachings here, are quite tough. So let's not make it so cool and easy. Oh, if you don't want to study the Bible, that is fine. No, you need to study it. You need to learn it. We need to get ourselves on the road. We need to get ourselves in, you know, into it. You are, we are either in or we are out. You know, Christ used the example of the plow. The plow is such that if you don't keep your eyes on it, whether you're using the cows and you're going behind it, or you're using a, a handheld one. Your eyes must be, you know, plowing is when you make grooves or gutters in the soil with some plowing animals. And some, some. If you're not careful 
and you don't, you're not, your eyes are not on it steadfastly watching it, and you keep turning around and turning, turning your left and right, by the time you realize the machine has gone onto a territory you never intended it to go to. So you need to keep your eyes on it steadfast so that you can keep going, making straight grooves. And that's what Christ said here. When you make this stand to follow me on this journey, you got to stay committed to it. you got to stay focused on this journey. You don't just look, come on it, and then you are turning left and right, left and right all the time. you got to be focused and committed onto this task. That is the message. That is what he's saying to us. Now this core requires that we don't allow the pool of home. You know, that, th- that pool that the, home, that the home has for us. You know, that pool. Be able to break from that pool. Break effectively from that pool. And allow it to keep you here and there. Because that was what this man was saying. And Christ's response was just that. Hey, you want to come? Keep your eyes focused. And if you've come, your eyes must be focused on this call, on this service, on this kingdom work. And don't be turning left and right, left and right. Keep focus. Hallelujah. Praise God, somebody. Praise God, somebody. Wow, 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 wow. You see, our work is cut out for for us. The task is clear. The task is clear. The home going, the going into glory. It's a glorious journey, but the journey, it requires some tough. It it, it is tough. It is tough and it requires us to to have this understanding so we can be on this journey. Hallelujah. And not be swayed by anything. The joy is great. The crown is glorious. It's going to be an awesome thing. The master is waiting on the other end to say, Ha! Hallelujah. Great and faithful servant. You've done a good job. But before we get to that place, there's this tough side of the journey that we must endure. This tough side on the journey that we must go through. You must come to a place where your skin color, your background, your grouping, you know, you, you'll be despised for that. But endure. Don't curse don't bring down fire, but be merciful because our business is to save men's lives. And you see, there may not be comfort on the journey, but that's the call of Christ. There may not be comfort on a journey, yes. And we must also understand that besides that, the home call doesn't take priority. In the kingdom call, we are to serve the home, but the home doesn't come first before the kingdom. The kingdom is first. But as we are in the kingdom, yes, we serve the needs of the home. Hallelujah. So no one should say, I want to do this. And when I have finished this, when I finish my education, then I'll have more time for God. Wrong. You can't be a follower of Christ if that's your thinking. I want to go through this year. I want to raise enough money for my family. And then I'll give more time. No, you are putting the home call before the service of the kingdom. Respond to the call and serve the family. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And also, you know, you don't not say, I have started it. I have started it. You see, but every now and then, you are getting trapped. 
when it's time to serve the kingdom of God, a family affection, you know, is pulling you here and there. A family pull. Christ says, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. You need to break the affection that the hold has on you. You need to break from it so you can focus and serve the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. We want to pray. You want to pray this afternoon. You see, maybe you stumbled on this, for, on this platform or on this message. You're hearing us. But you are not a follower of Jesus. You're not born again. You've always thought that Christianity was just some cruel thing. No. It's about saving lives. It's about saving lives. And what we've talked about so far indicates that we take the saving lives seriously. Christ takes the saving of lives seriously. That's the reason why he's teaching us these three lessons. The seven lives is an important task. So, let not comfort, let not seeking of, of comfort to interfere with a call to serve in the kingdom. We shouldn't let our home call be Take priority over the task. And the pull of the home to also hinder us. See, so your salvation is very important to God. You must first be born again. If you've just stumbled on us and you're not born again. All our efforts is to reach you, to reach your heart. Maybe people have approached you, but because of their background, because of their accent, because of their skin color, because of their ethnicity, you've rejected them. But today I want you to understand your soul, the salvation of your soul is more important. Do not let these religious and social barriers to stand in your way to receiving Christ. Today, repent. Ask for forgiveness of sins from God. And say, God forgive me. And give me life. Ask for forgiveness of sins. In the name of Jesus. And maybe you, you, are, you are born again. You, you know Christ already. You want to pray and say, Lord God Almighty. You want to pray for strength and grace. Strength and grace to travel this journey. You want to pray for strength and grace to travel this journey. Strength and grace to travel this journey. To travel this journey. You also want to pray for understanding and clarity. If anything is not clear, you want to pray, say, Lord, I pray for clarity. Let me not leave this service without understanding what is being said here. Lord, help me. Lord, I pray. That will not put comfort ahead of the kingdom call. That will not put the home call, make the home call a priority. But respond to the home, to the kingdom call. 
and then perform our responsibilities. And Lord God Almighty, I pray help us. That will focus and stay committed to the service of the kingdom. All this is what I pray for, Father. In the name of Jesus. Pray. You're going to pray. Say, Lord, help me. Lord, grant you grace in this. Ask God for grace in this. In the name of Jesus. I also pray for those that are not well in your bodies. I pray for healing. Tommy ache. I pray, Father, for healing. Lord, I ask healing of bodies. Internal organs that are failing, I pray for healing. People that are suffering from chronic headaches, and oh, I pray for healing. Mental issues, Lord, I pray for healing. In the name of Jesus. May your bodies be healed. Father, we bless your name. Lord, we praise you. And we honor you. And the saints say, Amen. And Amen. Praise God. The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text the word of god is living it's a living thing when the word of god proceeds when it comes out from the mouth of god as matthew puts it when it comes out from the mouth of god it is a living and active word powerful able to effect change and change things it is not a dead letter God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active. It is powerful. 